A quick note before this week's episode, it was recorded during the 2023 WGA and SAG-AFTRA strikes. Without the labor of the writers and actors currently on strike, the film being discussed here would not exist. Allow me to please introduce to you two of NASA's founding mission directors and astronaut Dr. Buzz Aldrin, one of the first two men to step foot on the moon. Sir? Optimus Prime. And from a fellow space traveler, it's a true honor. The honor is mine. Our entire space race of the 1960s, it appears, was in response to an event. Our astronauts investigated a crashed alien ship. No survivors on board. We were sworn to secrecy by our commander in chief. This was a mission you will never speak of. I understand, sir. A total of 35 people knew the real plan at NASA. Soviets managed to land unmanned probes. Somehow, they must have picked up that fuel rod. We believe the Russians deduced that the rod was a fissionable fuel assembly, believe they had it mastered, and tried to harness it at Chernobyl. Would you like to yell at the moon with Buzz Aldrin? Yes, please. I own you. You dumb moon. I walked on your face. Don't you know it's day? Hey, everybody. I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Andy McIntyre. This is Silver Linings Playback, the podcast where we watch maligned movies and we find their silver linings. Uh, And we are continuing our uh, incredibly catchily titled month where we look at Movies that have new episodes or iterations coming out this year, and there was one other one that wasn't liked as much, and we're talking about that. Yeah, we. You know, you would have thought by the end of the month we would have really zeroed have locked in, it in really on a concise zeroed in on title. Uh, bad franchise sequels. I think probably would have been smarter, but hey, I, I don't like it. It's too late. We'll, we'll, we'll keep working. We'll keep workshopping it. Uh, but we're watching the third Transformers movie, Dark of yes. the Moon, I yes. believe. Yep. Uh, and here to talk about it is a uh, friend of the show and Transformers aficionado, Jonathan Davenport. What's up, Jonathan? That's what I want on my tombstone. <laughs> friend of the show, Transformers aficionado. That's it. Now that beloved husband, father, BS. <laughs> I don't, I don't know how your family feels about that, but yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's not their tombstone. It's not their tombstone. Andy gets it. Yeah. Uh, oh, I love man. that you played that clip. Um, I feel like that's so emblematic of what is both great and terrifying about this film. And I'm not going to lie to you guys. I watched it right before this recording and I loved it from beginning to end. <laughs> And I almost, almost teared up at that scene. No joke. Just because like. Well, it's two, it's two icons. It's, and yes. Yeah. Whoever came up with that bit is a genius. I mean, yeah. Amazing bit. Yeah. Like, I mean, also, what was that pitch meeting? Like, what did they say to Buzz Aldrin to get him in this movie? How much do you need to show up? (laughs) On set. Well, do you think it was, I was, I'm, I'm hoping that it was one of those situations where they're like, hi, Mr. Aldrin, we're from uh, you, Michael Bay sent us. We're from the new Transformers film. And he was just like, what took you so long? <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. And you got to remember at the time, 
um, you know, these were the the highest grossing movies there were. Like mm-hmm. it yeah. wasn't. It'd be like being in a Marvel movie now, or you know, last year. <laughs> <laughs> hey oh, hey oh, you know, it, it would it'd be like awesome to be able to show up and do a cameo in a Transformers movie. Yeah. Then, yeah, I, I do want to know though who was more confused by appearing in a Transformers movie, Buzz Aldrin or Orson Welles. Well, I would say Buzz Aldrin because I don't think Orson Welles cared. So that's fair. <laughs> ah, the French, <laughs> uh, which also weirdly is now the second week in a row that uh, Orson Welles has come up on this show. And this is the second time this month that Shia LaBeouf has been on this show. So I don't know what's happening. Yeah, I'm here to start a movement. And I just it's not a big one. It's a small one. I think we can manage it. I just want to. I really enjoyed this movie. I, I truly did. And I feel like it's a great capper to what I would like to call the Shiaverse, which is the first three movies. Mm-hmm. It's just a trilogy of the Shiaverse. And then we can name the second one. I don't know what comes after that. The Markyverse, the Wallverse, whatever you want to call it. But I feel like the Shiaverse is like its own little thing. It's got its own visual language. It's pretty solid. It's got a, I mean, the middle ain't great. The beginning's okay. I like the end. I don't know. I think it's not so bad. I feel like it got dragged down by everything that came after it. Personal opinion. Well, I would I would say that Michael Bay seems to agree with you because when I was reading stuff really? about this film, he expressed regret that he did not quit after this after film. After three. Yeah. yeah. So he that is doing he's in Age of Extinction and the other one. The King Arthur one, right? No, don't die. we don't say <laughs> Also, but those, shall not be named. Are those the ones that have Stanley Tucci in them or both of those, right? They both have Stanley Tucci. So they, they have the two characters. I was going to say it should be the Tucci-verse. I mean, the you know, if we're, if we're naming it after the yeah, best part. If we're going to give credit to someone. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I just love that the Transformers franchise essentially pulled like a Velvet Revolver move where mm. they're like, man, we have this really problematic lead actor prone to violent outbursts. Let's replace him with Marky Mark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Much like uh, Guns N' Roses, like, man, we have this problematic drug addicted singer, Axl Rose. Let's replace him with Scott Weiland. Yeah. <laughs> no issues there. <laughs> replace a problem with a lesser problem. Did they? Uh, but did they? But, all right. Um, well, but uh, Davenport, I, I am here to, to rain on your parade a bit, unfortunately. But uh, I mean, because first of all, I think a good place to start since we were just talking about them. Did any of these movies need humans? Like, does Shia LaBeouf need to be in this movie or have any plot line? Okay. All right. Let's start there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is something that uh, it's been it's been sitting, it's been weighing on my mm-hmm. soul for years. Uh, and every time, and this last movie is no exception, uh, Resident Beast, every time a new Transformers movie comes out, I get into the same argument with everyone on the Transformers forums. So here we go. Is that, is that cars to bots.com? <laughs> oh, there's Cybertron Cafe, Transformers Liberated. Uh, I'm in several. Oh, wow. Um, Love it. So there's this vibe among the fandom that they're like, we just want the robots. We just want the transformers we want them to be the main characters we don't need the humans get the humans out of here just give us the movie that we want and i'm here to tell you brothers and sister just the one (laughs) that that movie that you want costs so much money (laughs) and would appeal to so few people that it would sink 
the entire studio system, not just the <laughs> studio that made it, all of Hollywood would sink into the nether. It would just like, I would love, I don't know if we, we know any Hollywood budget guys, but I think it would be an amazing project, again, for the amusement of me, uh, to get them to grab Transformers the movie, 1986, and budget that live action today. <laughs> like, it's got to be like triple the cost of Avatar 2. Like, oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's got to be insane. And that's what people want. And then you got to think about my mom. I was thinking about my mom when it comes to blockbuster movies. When you talk about like your, your four quadrant thing, what's appealing to whom, right? Does my mom want to see all robots for two hours emoting? She does not want that. <laughs> Who wants to see the robots emoting? Yeah. That's the thing. They, they do. They do. And in the comics... Uh, in the IDW uh, lore, anyway, like the the Transformers have like full lives, like they yeah. get married, they have romances. This is like, what I, this is what I'm talking about. Yeah, <laughs> let's see. Just just do a Transformers rom com. It'll cost yeah. four billion dollars as long as it's expensive and yeah. no one sees it. That's the goal, I guess. <laughs> so, so Joel, to your to your point, like um, I'm with you in spirit. I get it. Like you don't want the humans, but like you got to fill the runtime with something. That well, doesn't okay. Cost. Well, I mean, I feel yeah. like you're just teeing me up for point number two because while I also, while I, for the record, did not enjoy Shia LaBeouf tries to find a job even though he has a medal from Obama. The plot line, um, <laughs> I like it. When you say fill the runtime, <laughs> did this yeah. movie need to be two and a half hours long? I will give you that one too. Yes. <laughs> I, I watched. I, okay, so I, I watched it um, in in one setting uh, today, and I was exhausted mm -hmm. by the end. Yep. So could have been shorter, but man, it's never boring. At least not to me. There's always something going on. If it's not insanely in your face, there's robots fighting. They're making jokes. Sam's parents are there doing their stupid thing. Oh, right. Like there's yeah. always something going on on screen. So like, while I do agree, it could be truncated, um, man, at least while it's there, I feel like it's justifying its existence. Yeah. In my opinion. I, I will say that this movie has proved that the modern media landscape, I think, has given us all a degree of attention deficit disorder because mm -hmm. uh, like, We've watched a few older movies like over the past few weeks, like Mission Impossible 2, which came out older almost movies. 20 years ago, 25. But like, it's I know what you mean. Yeah. Did but, you do a dove count? <laughs> yeah, 74. We, well, that's 74. the that is also the that's the fun thing. If people didn't listen last week, when the doves show up, that's when that movie starts to get good. It's not coincidental that that's yeah. the signal. That, that they moment. finally let John Woo do his <laughs> John Woo. I love that. Yeah. Uh, but like that movie, it's it's just amazing that that movie's uh, you know, just 12 or 13 years older than the Transformers movie mm -hmm. and so much more slow paced. Yeah. And my memory of Mission Impossible 2 was that it was not a slow paced movie. And right. like, too. Um, but like they to broke watch our it brains. through. Yeah. To watch it through <laughs> uh, from a 2023 lens, like, wow. We don't have any attention for anything anymore. <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. Um, um, yeah, the yeah. movie. Well, I'll agree. I'll agree with uh, Jonathan. The movie was not boring because there was always something <laughs> happening. <Question mark. laughs> um, there, the, the, it did keep things moving, but um, 
they could have honestly just randomly cut a minute here, a minute there, and I don't think I would have noticed for any oh, lack of no, continuity no. or anything like that. Well, um, I, I just to, I know you've addressed these these points, but I, I mean, I guess this is put fully my position. I, I liked everything in this movie that wasn't, or at least enjoyed everything in this movie that wasn't. Shia LaBeouf tries to find a job or. Uh, argues with his sugar mama also what is going on here can we take a moment <laughs> what is their relationship because we meet her this is the we fired megan fox character yes indeed. Uh, i believe that was her name yes and it's, no, that was it yeah her so, initial spell that yeah <laughs> so we meet her because she's giving a bunny to shia labeouf and then gives him cash and then she leaves for work she gave him cash. I missed that part. He I, act, well, I just he, don't remember that part. Well, yeah. actually, she, well, she just left actually, it on the dresser. I yeah, think. she left it on the dresser and said, <laughs> and said, same time next week. You know, if you're good at something, never do it for free. <laughs> you know, I mean, she might not actually. I think she offers him money and he turns her down. He's like, I can't take any more money from you. But she's point being, she gives him a gift. And then it's implied that she is the person financially supporting him. Listen, as a man who was often unemployed and dating a girl who was, I get it. I feel this. I feel it in my soul. I, I, I identify with the character. I get it. I feel like, I don't know why you guys aren't, aren't feeling it too. Maybe you're full of self-esteem, but for me, oh, no, 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 that's not that. <laughs> no, it's no, gotta no. be something else. That's not it. It's the thing where you know that you suspect, you hope, you hope that you're special. You hope that you're destined for something. People around you who love you have told you that you're good at things, but you've got no evidence of this. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Andy. I know it's a sore spot for you. Um, <laughs> I'm a high school teacher. I was defeated a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, you and, and I then, uh, are the ones still yeah. trying to pursue the arts. So I think we we feel this more <laughs> than Where Andy. are they? Yeah. <laughs> keep running from us, the arts. Um, but yeah, and then and then you've got uh, this one person in your life who's very special and uh, she happens to be employed and she's like, no, no, I'll help you. I don't mind helping you. And every time she does, it stabs you in your heart because you can't turn it down, <laughs> but you also need it and you also hate that you're in this position. I think it's I think it's a great step for his character. I think it's solid. I think like if you were like, well, OK, we know Shia has to be in this movie. Why? Because it's called the Shia verse. Yeah. But what because he Tucci's going to do? still finalizing his contract. Right. So, we yeah. haven't got nailed Tucci down. He's yeah. being very he's elusive, like the arts. He's in Italy. Pursuing him. He, he's always in Italy when we try. He's <laughs> always in Italy. It's like his thing. I don't think he is. Um and we need something for him to do. What's his position in this? I feel like they probably went around and around. They're like, well, what what possible relevance does he have? to these robots and their civil war. And I think someone went, that's it. He doesn't have any, and that's his issue. Like he feels like he's part of it. And he's but not. Nobody, nobody <laughs> thinks he is. And this is him earning his thing. Like he went from, you know, messenger to soldier in this movie. I don't know, man. I think it's solid. I, I will say what you described, I love. <laughs> I don't know if I got that on the screen. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. I think that's what they were aiming for. Yeah. No, that's a good pitch. I like that pitch. Like, yeah, uh, I'm not sure that it was conveyed to me. I, it more it also conveyed. I feel like it was attempted, though. I feel like yeah. that yeah. was the intent. Yeah. I, but I think the problem, too, is he spends most of the time like 
being kind of weirdly jealous and then like yelling a lot. He yells a lot. He in was this movie. very mad. Yeah. There was a scene that I, I swear I watched maybe six times. Like I kept backing it up over and over because I couldn't believe the magnitude. Do you remember where he finally is like, he saw Decepticons, like mm-hmm. he knows it. He knows that they're back and he's got to alert the Autobots, right? So he and his crappy car and Carly drive down to the, the place, right? Mm-hmm. And the guards stop him and, uh, you know, he gets hit by the barricade. It lifts the back of the car up. And there's a shot where he just screams like three times in a row and each one is bigger and bigger and bigger. And I can't say it doesn't work, but it's bizarre. When you said I there's believe a they scene... call that Nick Caging. Yeah. Nick Caging. <laughs> but also yes. when you said there was a scene that you backed up, I was like, I bet it's the scene where he goes to that <laughs> barricade and yells. You knew that? Well, because that scene's insane. It's, and for it's the bananas. yelling, they are pointing mm-hmm. guns at his face. And These are heavily yelling. armed government operatives. And they are, yeah. he's just shouting in their faces. <laughs> yeah. I I don't know. I take it back. No one, no one is intending this. This is me bringing something to the table narratively. Um, but I suspect that, like, if you really, if you get a behavioral psychologist and they were to watch Shia uh, through these movies, like he's he's on the spectrum in some way, right? Like he's like very, yeah. he's like sound sensitive and overstimulated and doesn't know what to do with himself. He's constantly moving. He kicks the car sixteen times. I counted. Oh wow! Um, and then like it's, it's freaking out with the, the sound. He's being lifted up and they're lifting stuff at him, and he's like not responding appropriately to anything. He doesn't. Uh, he's not afraid of things. Like I think, I, I I think that he might he might be on a spectrum. I would agree with you that his responses do not track like as, don't track. <laughs> as like neurotypical. Yeah. Well, and here's the funny part is that was just a, um, they just left the cameras running during a break and then they got that footage. And like, oh, no, this is better than what we have. <laughs> Shia just legit lost his shit. Yeah. One of the guys at the, with the security gate just flubbed his lines. And that was Shia's actual reaction. It's from uh, the Christian Bale school. <laughs> um, yeah, that that scene is perplexing because like. Yeah. Uh, What's just, also, it, it doesn't make sense. It's also weird because he has Transformers in the back of his car. And that's what they right. that's why they don't kill him. But it's like, I don't know, maybe yeah. lead with that. Like, hold him up. Be like, hey, look. Yeah, he never does the right thing. Yeah. He's learned as part of his arc. OK. All right. All right. That's not intended. <laughs> OK. Well, that, those, that's, uh, that's, that's in my head canon. Yeah. All right. Um. I mean, like, this is not, I don't expect you to have the answer to this question, but I'm just looking at my notes. So those were the two big things that I had. Okay. And this is not, <laughs> I don't know where this falls under maligning or what, but I, it's just okay. a question that I had watching this movie. Did the Decepticons assassinate JFK? <gasps> yes. Okay. Because Magneto that wasn't movie. able to stop them. <laughs> This movie just got that much better <laughs> because I'm just saying it's like moon landing Chernobyl. Like we're really tying this to a lot and we see JFK, obviously. So we don't we don't know what happens after that. Yeah, uh, man. I have to say that one of my one of my things with uh, in my bad column for this movie has to be the JFK alike. It's it not does, good. It, it's, it's not insane good. how many visual feats they accomplish in this yeah. movie 
it's crazy that they exist in the same movie as the worst JFK effect you've ever seen. Which also, like, I don't feel like it's that hard to get a good JFK. Like, is it's not a terribly yeah, what's difficult... Greg Kinnear doing? <laughs> <laughs> He's in Italy. I will say their their uh, JFK made the Obama seem passable because after you saw JFK, you were like, well, I mean, this is at least convincing. No, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> Was there a Nixon involved in this movie, too? I don't think so. No, that, that, no, no Nixon, unfortunately. Yeah. There wasn't? Okay, okay. Um, yeah, this, uh, I gotta say, and this is, I think, a general maligning I have for all. Oh, go ahead. I think there was a Nixon. Is there? On the monitor, and you see him in the background, and they're showing actual Nixon footage in the foreground with him congratulating the astronauts, and then they have a double in the background. Mm, But that was actual Nixon. Like, it was real. This is a three-president Transformers (laughs) movie. Yeah. Um, I don't know, like... I think a general maligning that I have for all of the Transformers movies, I think the robot forms are too busy, man. Mm-hmm. I actually mm-hmm. thought they were better in this one. I think they, they were better, better in this one. Um, but like... Easily the best um, uh, Megatron in this one, yeah, I think. for oh, sure. Solid yeah. looking, solid. Yeah. yeah. Uh, with the, the green goblin hood on. <laughs> nice. <laughs> what is that? Like, practically, what is it that he puts on? It's... So it's supposed to be in his vehicle form. Uh, you know, he's like that crazy Mad Max truck. And then there's a bed in the back with like supposedly stuff. It's supposed to be the tarp that's draped over oh, that, over okay. the stuff like that keeps it strapped down and protected. So that's. Yeah. I, I just know that from the action figure. No, that that, that does make sense. Um, <laughs> and I mean, I think I, I do. I do in general like the choice of Megatron being a truck as sort of the counterpoint to Optimus Prime. I think that's. Sure a better narrative than him somehow turning into a regular sized gun. Oh, that's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But that was in the, the gun that killed JFK. That's so, true. Yeah. Yes. Oh, <laughs> no, no, it couldn't this have is been the greatest. Okay. It's too, it's you're going to make this the best movie of all time by the yeah. time you're done. But here's keep, the thing. Keep it, throwing it, out theories. It, it couldn't have been because uh, if the Transformers universe is concerned with continuity, and I like to think that they are, uh, man, <laughs> <laughs> Megatron was uh, underneath the Hoover Dam at that point. He was mm, uh, based well, on the first movie. Well, that's what he wants you to think because he can't say he was on the grassy knoll. So that's like, true. He, he was the second, point. and point. no one noticed a sixty-foot-tall <laughs> robot. Well, not when he turned into the gun. Yeah, he oh, mass shifts. Yeah, that, that, yeah, yeah that's small. right. That's that's yeah. the that's the gun that Oswald used. <laughs> I, I'll say this about the uh, the mechanical forms, the the robot forms. Um, you know. I'm G1 fan, obviously, and I, you know, I like the blocky look. I I like the look of uh, I like kind of what they landed on with the the Bumblebee movie and and the newer one, uh, Rise of Beast. Um, But looking back on them, even though I don't think it's totally successful, I do. I do enjoy that they're alien. Like they don't look like they're from here. Like they have weird toes and things are sticking out on them. Uh, Their faces are like, there's so many plates and it's like, I think I see a face in there. And I feel like if it wasn't Transformers, like the IP, I feel like that might be a classic thing where it's like, oh, remember that one sci-fi movie where they had alien robots and they actually look like aliens? I think there's something to it. I see what you're you're saying there, but again, it is Transformers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, and you have the uh, sitting next to you, the movie Optimus. Well, why this is the three uh, zero Revenge of the Ooh. Fallen uh, Optimus Prime, fully articulated, non-transforming, but diecast metal, uh, very heavy, uh, very detailed. 
again, because if that was able to transform, it would take four hours to turn that into a robot. Or okay, a so I do have one that looks very similar to this that does transform. Interesting. Yes, and it does take about an hour to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Like, it's even though like the Gen 1, which I think I mean, is obviously the Transformers that I grew up loving, um, is like they were blocky, but still somehow significantly sleeker than these. Oh, for sure. Weird, for sure. like. Michigas robots that we have now so that was just something I, that was something that um always put me out from the original transformers um which i don't hate uh as a movie yeah. uh, and then uh revenge of the fallen which i do hate as a mm. movie uh and then as we well get to this should. one which i nothing i think that's where i fall on, on dark of the moon and the title pisses me off blank of the blank <laughs> why is it well, not like, side why is the word side not in it i would like it better if it was dark was, side of the moon was roger waters adamant that he would not have his album title associated with <laughs> also this? i would give this movie five stars if it synced up perfectly to that album yeah Doesn't that would it? make it the best movie <laughs> Does right. it? I mean, you would know. You're on the forum, so you tell us. Yeah, some someone. I'll, I'll get back to you. I'll get back. To Cybertron you. Cafe has tested. If we'll do anything like, for five stars. What is the point? Yeah, what's the point that you start it and then it like perfectly syncs up? Uh, it's when it's when the Paramount logo starts to transform. Is when you start mm. the the. the uh, you actually start that with the lion roar from Wizard of Oz, and you hit play on the album, and all three are just perfectly in sync the whole time. That's incredible. I, I do have uh, a I have a Transformers question for you based on just sure. the reality of this movie. And, and maybe this is addressed in other movies and I don't remember. But like, are there way more Decepticons than Autobots? Because all the Autobots fit in a spaceship and the Decepticons mm -hmm. are around the globe ready to make this plan happen. So in this movie or in lore? I would you, I'm, guess I'm saying in this movie, but. So, yeah. So in this movie, um they do try to make, and it's thing I sort of admire about this particular script. They try, I don't know if they succeed, but they try to keep continuity in place after the disaster of the previous movie. But you remember they mentioned the second wave of Autobots came on that ship, the Xanthium mm -hmm. or whatever. So we do know we have like a handful of Autobots and I don't think there's that many Decepticons at all. I think there might only be three or four laser beak, sound wave, shock wave, Megatron. Right? But then at the end, they're like launching the barricade. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right, right. And barricade. Yeah, right. Good. But then um, I think around the midpoint when they actually activate the space bridge, all the dormant Decepticons on the moon come in and they, they mention there's like 200 of them. OK, I missed that, um, which I, I apologize because these movies, are, it's very easy to focus on everything that's happening because it's I, all I, very subtly I, introduced. So it's weird that I missed I, it. I, I actually subtly, I actually, <laughs> I actually got uh, more out of this viewing than I ever have before because I put on subtitles oh, to watch it. That's smart. There's so much there, but you know, a lot of it said off screen. A lot of it said in the middle of shouting. Uh in the middle of an explosion it's like hey that's an important piece of information i wish they uh projected that a little more i didn't know that for years i do think especially because this movie relies all the movies in the transformers franchise rely heavily on the uh exposition dumps like we had in our opening clip yeah they yes. love a, a prime voiceover to really give us a lot of information at the beginning they really of do but i'll say um as voiceovers go, if you're going to get an exposition dump, you want it from Peter Cullen, right? I mean, if he did it for every movie, I'd be okay with that. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Why uh, not? Yeah. Man, when we get to uh, the better half <laughs> of the podcast, we got to talk about sound design because I, I, I watched on headphones and it was I actually incredible. watched on headphones too. 
So I, wasn't it extraordinary? Yeah, it was really nice. Like, yeah. Uh, Wait, so do I have to go back and watch this on headphones? Because I do. don't. With you subtitles. Do. Yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but I, I will say as we're as we approach that, I have maybe one more Melanie thing. But just while we're sure. on this, I, I will say that uh, I, I thought the writing was better in this one than the yeah. previous two. Like it seemed like a tighter script overall. I think it was. Um, I've got a couple of um, a couple of Malinies myself, a couple of John Malinies. Um <laughs> One, um, it's better. It's improved in this movie, but Michael Bay still doesn't have the framing down for these giant machines. Yes. Like yeah. half the time they're crouched down or they're cut off. It's not like in the first movie where we're zoomed in too tight and it's really hard to make out the action. Like I thought the action was pretty clear in this. Yeah. But like the framing is never great. Well, I, I don't I, know why you don't get it. I, but I think it actually I think some of the reason that this movie felt more like coherent and better shot, too, is because I was reading that uh, this was shot for 3D, which Bay wasn't big on. But I think because of that, this is my theory that they yeah. had to make things clearer and had to do longer shots mm-hmm. for the 3D, because I think if it was the pacing of the previous two movies and the editing and like the close ups of those movies with 3D, I don't think it would track at all. That might be it. Yeah. 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 Although one thing with this movie that I felt was wildly inconsistent was like the camera speed, for lack of a better word, that like scenes were like just a little bit slow motion sometimes and then like really (laughs) slow motion action movie sometimes. You're right. And then maybe a little sped up some like it was just there wasn't like a consistent visual language with like how fast they were showing the action scenes. Well, there was a consistent visual language and that visual language is Michael Bay. (laughs) Well, yes. (laughs) Um, To be fair, if David Lynch isn't going to direct a Transformers movie, there's no one else I'd rather have than Michael Bay. So, man, they should have gotten Cullen to do those voiceovers from Dune. That would have been so good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's good. But, yeah, like, it's just... Because, I mean, changing, like, you know, from fast motion, slow motion stuff, it's become a staple of action directing, I think, you know, in general... And a lot of that can go to John Woo's credit for Mission Impossible 2 and and all his movies to tie it around back together. But like there was no rhyme or reason for when things slowed down or sped up in this movie. And that was very frustrating. Yeah, I will say, though, that there's an epicness to this movie that you don't see in movies right now. Yeah. And I, I don't know if. It part of it is the slow motion, whatever it is. There's some magical Michael Bay formula that's like in full gear on this movie that makes it feel like you guys, you know, you can you've been seeing the movies lately. Like they feel small, they feel clunky, they feel false, you know. This one felt heavy and kind of real and kind of epic-y, you know. Um, I think a lot of it's the low camera angles. Everything's low. Well, he does a lot of hero shots. Always kinetic. Like you can see that at the end. Like there's, it's just a series of like every character. Like here's here's Shia's hero shot. Here's Demel's hero shot. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't know. I don't. You know, it's hard to pinpoint exactly what it is that he's doing right because there's a lot going on that's not correct. Right. Feels very inconsistent and weird and out of place and just atonal. Um, but something about it is epic. And like, I feel like the, the, a lot of the slow motion shots are adding to that, but like not in a Zack Snyder way where it feels like I'm just making a poster. Yeah. It's like, 
Well, like, Zack Snyder's I'm the king of the, the slow, the slow, of the slow motion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, if you if you shot, if you aired any Zack Snyder movie at the consistent, like, normal speed, it would be an hour less. Yeah. We should be doing that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, hey, release the sped up cut. <laughs> release the 24 frames per second cut. Oh, yeah, come on. Great. Come on, James Gunn, if you're listening, and we know you are. Uh all right. So the last thing that I, I think that I want to mention uh, for maligning and then we can move on. Uh, but uh, and I thank you for indulging us on, on this. Oh, half please. No, but, I've uh, got a couple more John Maligny's myself. But uh, we're all wrestling fans here. Was was this some Vince Russo booking of heel turns <laughs> and reverse heel turns in this movie? Like, I just felt like we get, you know, we're rescuing our old leader our old leader mm -hmm. turns on us and then like turns on us in a way that is just he's now murdering us like it's yeah, out of it is violent and quick. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not just like because like, I can understand. I think it's grounded to be like, well, I, I sided with the Decepticons because yeah. we're trying to bring back our home planet. Sure. But yeah. it's like and I'm going to murder all of you. <laughs> it's like, well, you didn't try to like bring them aboard. <laughs> Yeah, he really didn't. He was full on, full on baddie. And then you in this get, one. then you get not Megan Fox at the end, just being like, "Hey, so you're his bitch, huh?" And then we that leads to our face turn for <laughs> like saving Optimus Prime. It's a rough one. It's rough. Yeah. Um, they try, not successfully, I don't think, but they try to at least set up that Megatron thing a couple times. Well, they, um, there are scenes where it's like, I don't work for you, you know, like, right, like where right, we get, right, right. you know, the, them jockeying for position. But I still it's a difference between not helping him and actively siding with Optimus Prime. I won't kill you, but I don't have to save you. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Right. Yeah, that was good. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think they should have recognized that Sentinel Prime had the exact same voice as Galvatron. And and realize that wow, this maybe this is the same guy. It's that'd be hilarious. <laughs> um, I was I hoping love... that he would say it's like I'm not Sentinel Prime anymore. I am Galvatron. Oh, that'd be cool. That's much better than the Galvatron they brought in for the next movie. That was the worst. Oh. Where the humans made Megatron's body into something they called Galvatron. That was the oh. worst. Um, I do like. I do like. There's some fan service here that I enjoy it, this, uh, orbiting Leonard Nimoy. Like, first of all, just bringing him back in for a Transformers movie is great. Well, and the one about space, uh, too. I felt that yes, that was like a double, a double Easter egg of like he's done these and it's the the human space travel one. Totally agree. And then they have the nice foreshadowing at the beginning when uh, the two idiot bots are watching Star Trek. Yeah. They're like, oh, I've seen this. And it's the one where Spock goes nuts. It's yeah. like, yes, yeah. it is the one where Spock goes nuts. <laughs> <laughs> so that cool. is, for this franchise, that might be the single most clever thing they've ever done. Yeah, that's and accurate. Then, yeah. yeah. And then they snuck in the uh, Wrath of Khan line, Needs of the Many. So yeah, that way the Needs of the Few. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. <laughs> good. I, I don't know either. Um, I mean, I'm ready to to fall on pivot to. Well, I don't know. Yeah, did you? you, said you, had a you had some more? other I got, baby I got, Js. Yeah, I got two more real quick. Um, John Malkovich. Yeah, what was that? I, he's 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 doing a job, but it's 
so wildly inconsistent and weirdly random. Like, like even even Ken Jong's character is nuts, but like consistent. Like I get what he's doing. I, you could predict what he's going to do. It all is like kind of falls in line with his particular brand of hyper intensity. Um, Malkovich, they make this whole plot point out of like, I don't want. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> he do, I don't he want, want. Thank you. He doesn't want red on the yellow floor, right? It's a whole thing. It's like this is the yellow floor. Mm-hmm. If something is out of the, out of the, the wrong color, it's visceral and therefore a visual. You know, there's a visceral affront. <laughs> yes. Um, and like one second after that, he holds up his photo of him. Uh, you know, in the gi, and it's red, like bright red. And there's so much red in his office. And I was like, don't make that a plot point. <laughs> if you have spots of red in his office and don't tell me it's like intentional, like, oh, he's, he, he, he breaks the rules for himself. It's like, maybe, but show me some more examples of that. Back it up. Yeah. He does. Yeah, it's that, the floor. Like the, the entire floor is supposed to have this color scheme. Yeah. 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 Cause that's yeah. what you want when you're introducing a new character is immediate inconsistencies. <laughs> Um, and the last one is it's more of a geeky thing, but like um, on this podcast, on this, if you can believe it, I know <laughs> off brand, but um, I really I want there to be rules to the technology. You know, it used to be. Oh, man. Well, back I... in the day, you only had one alt mode and that's fine. And in the movies, they're like you scan something and then you can turn into it. And it's like, man, that really opens up the the gates for like multiple alt modes. Why would they stick with one? But whatever, 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 you let it go. And then this one, like Laserbeak can turn into anything at any time, however he wants, they want. I don't want to assume Laserbeak's gender. Um, and there's, I think some, some other, someone else, someone else like turns into something they shouldn't too. I can't remember, but uh, I just want rules. I just, you know, my Transformers, I want to know why you can turn into this alt mode and why you can't. That's all. Right. Because it was a big deal, like with the the Gen, well, I guess it was at this point Gen 2, when they had like the triple changers that had two vehicles. They made modes. it a thing. They brought them back for uh, the Bumblebee movie, and that was pretty cool, you know? So, yeah, that bugs me. That bugs me. Um, Yeah, I want to know if, like, it can be a tank and a plane and a robot. Like, that's a big deal. <laughs> or it can be a dune buggy, a helicopter, and a robot. And just- a robot. Tell us. Oh, Sandstorm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, and then I guess in general, uh, the movie's also like a little racially insensitive and very misogynist. Like oh, you've yeah. got those things going on, too. Yeah, throughout. I guess we didn't really talk about it because I, I guess it's just assumed in a Michael Bay movie. But all of the sure. Michael Bay sensibilities towards uh, race and display. gender are yeah. <laughs> definitely present and always present in all of his always films. ever present. And yeah. never yeah, good. Yeah. 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 No, and also, no I mean, you mentioned Ken Jeong, that character, not great in general. No. Yeah. No. All of it. Yeah. It, I would say in, as a blanket statement, Michael Bay's comedy, and I, I almost said comedy, uh, is, is not my taste. I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, and I guess there was a Pepto-Bismol commercial right in the middle of the movie. That was interesting. Yeah. Well, I, that's, a, that's a fun tip to dip your food into the Pepto-Bismol. <laughs> Just dip it right in. Yeah. Like it's even framed like a commercial. Like they're sitting on the steps. The, mm-hmm. the product is front and center, label out. And I think um, they call it Pepto-Bismol, right? Too, like. I don't think they need to. It's but I think they do. I, they don't need to, but I'm pretty sure they do. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so those are those, those are my those are my notes. Those things could be improved for sure. Or cut out completely. Yeah. Yeah. No, I... I 
I so yeah, I think I think I'm ready to pivot to the the silver linings of this. Let's pivot. Let's pivot. <laughs> pivot. Oh. Pivot. Yeah. Oh. Pivot. why you're my favorite guest because i've had that in the soundboard but andy doesn't like it so oh come on now (laughs) i be i begrudgingly tolerate it you don't like Um, fun now i don't don't like it's my new thing i don't like fun um i i think this might be the best of the shyaverse movies I think it is the best of the Transformers live action. Well, the the Bay Transformers. So happy. Like the best of the Bay Transformer movies. Because I think Bumblebee has been my favorite Transformers yes. movie so far. Yes. Um, well, that's why I started to say the live action, but I was like, I just mean the Bay ones. Like those five. Yeah. I think it is yeah. the best of oh, these yeah. five. Um, yeah. yeah. And I have not seen Rise of the Beasts to comment on where that fits. Uh, but that's not Michael Bay either. So It's on digital right now. I know. And I, I was like, ooh, because I loved Beast Wars. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm excited that, but I hear the beasts are in it for like 10 minutes. It's the Star Trek generations of Transformers movies. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I also, um, I, as a, uh, a proud Paramount Plus subscriber, I'll wait for it to <laughs> show up on there I at this you. point. I hear you. <laughs> I think it is on Plus already. Is it? Yeah, I think it is already on Paramount well, Plus then, to watch Rise of the Is Beast. it really? Okay. Well, then maybe that's what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> um, But no, I think like... Because the first one is a little too serious and doesn't have the mm-hmm. sense of fun. The second one is too dumb and bad. Mm-hmm. Yep. This one, I think, it has that right mix of gravitas and like seriousness and like stakes yeah. uh, to not make a joke about the pillars that create space bridges. Um, <laughs> yeah. What a the MacGuffin sucked. Anyways. Um, <laughs> We're we're pivoting, uh, but this one had like the right mix of like fun and stakes and all of that. Uh, that like all the robot stuff was fun. The action was really fun, and like it, it took itself the right amount of serious for what a quite frankly ludicrous idea Transformers are as a property. It's true, and I agree with all that. Um, except for I don't think the MacGuffin sucks, but I think that what they used it for sucked. Like, the execution. I like, yeah, like I liked. I like that it's a space bridge and that's from lore. That's in my plus column too. Yeah. Like, you know, the space bridge thing. So I'm, I'm fine with that. And I love the idea that it was set up. Megatron's plan was to trick the Autobots into waking up Sentinel Prime. So that, that I liked. Yeah. Yes. So that he can activate the space bridge and they can bring all their troops to earth. Like 200 Decepticons like here, like that. That's great. The part about bringing Cybertron here is the worst thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Oh, that's terrible. And also, yeah. did Cybertron, was it destroyed at the end of this movie? I, they yeah, never talked sure. about it. I'm, yeah. it. It sure sounded like it. Like, just watching it then... swirl up like like Vulcan. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh. Uh, yeah, and then Unicron shows up with nothing to eat. And he oh, said, no snacks for Unicron. Wasting away. <laughs> um, no, but like, but yeah, this... Uh, like the robot action scenes I thought were super cool. Like the, the street chase with the dreads I thought was super fun. Um, even though they came out of absolutely nowhere yeah. and then were like a thing that was weird, but mm-hmm. like the actual action scene was awesome. Um, I thought that like the transformers transforming around the humans was executed the best it's been 
uh, of any of the series in this movie. I, there was um, a fun bit where uh, where Shia like ended up inside of um, Bumblebee. You like you know while wait, and then, like, hold kind on, of, let me think. Was he was he screaming in that scene? Well, let me think. Was it mm. in this movie? Mm. Then, mm. We'll have to watch later. Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah, well, you we'll also have to watch it back. You had the captions on, so you would you would know better. <laughs> Screaming intensifies. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I, yeah, that one was fun um, too. I like. I will say too, just in general, the last hour of this I enjoyed. A yeah. lot. Like yeah. once it really got to, I mean, Bay cribbing from himself. We're just doing the ends of end of Bad Boys too, where it's like girlfriend has ended up in war zone and team must do unauthorized mission to rescue yeah. her. Uh, yeah. But much like the end of Bad Boys too, it's it's a very enjoyable movie. It works. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, yeah speaking of like sort of that that pivot point in the movie. Yeah. Uh, right when uh, Patrick Dempsey makes his heel turn is like, I think when I just really dialed in, I was like, all right, I'm here for the rest of this. Also, is that a heel turn? I mean, it's like <laughs> it's like it he's was, it seems yeah. like a heel the whole time. And then it's like heel yeah. confirmation. Yeah, but he goes from being like a creep to an oh, actual boy. evil. Villain. Well, it's yeah. Like, yeah, you don't like him, but he seems inconsequential. And then it's revealed that he has power. I think right. yeah. the move. there were so many like good micro movies yeah. <laughs> in this, like the idea of like uh, an accounting firm with Decepticons as clients or just evil robots as clients is cool. Like that's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of dig that. They need to keep their budgets too. Yeah. Yeah. Like there was, there was something cool about that. And I liked all the weird little quips like about like, uh, do you know they were going to do this? He's like, I'm not in every meeting. And it's like, oh, yeah, right on. that's funny. That's a good joke. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, but I, I think that like I liked when he was revealed as being in cahoots with the Decepticons. Like, I thought that was a good reveal. Yeah. Um, because he was like it was like it's like, all right, this guy seems like bad. But he again, like Joel said, seems inconsequential to the actual yeah. plot. But then to actually make him sort of a linchpin of everything made sense. And um, like he even played before that turn and after that turn differently which i thought was was clever and good acting from mr dempsey yeah and he has one line in there it's so fast it's so quick it's a close-up on him and it's good like he's good where um there was a thing where like she, uh, carly saying something like you know they're you know you're killing people or you're you're letting them kill people or something like that and has a close-up on him and he's like you think they give you a choice and he is broken up yeah. And he, it's yeah. solid. He's good. Well, that's our boy I mean, is good. That's a, like it's always been a very fascinating thing with every one of these movies that they over, you know, reach on getting this cast. I mean, you have yeah. like multiple <laughs> Cohen regulars in this film. <laughs> like, true. Just, it's true. Just showing up like they they definitely get a caliber of actor that I think you could safely argue they don't need. But like, yeah, like Tyrese should be the best actor in these movies. And yeah, they're like, no, right. we're going to do better. Which that should the be way, the ceiling. <laughs> by the way, Tyrese, who filmed this and Fast Five simultaneously. What a year. What a boss. Yeah. Wow. I didn't yeah. realize that. Yeah. Those were like like he it said he was flying back and forth between. But, the yeah, two but no, 100 percent. Like you expect Josh Dumel to be in these movies. You, you don't do. you don't expect Francis McDormand, John Malkovich, John Turturro. <laughs> It's crazy. Multi-Emmy so nominee stacked. Patrick Dempsey. Um. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Um, like that you don't expect. And then like in the later ones, they get like Stanley Tucci. Yeah. You know, while we're talking about the actors, um, I know that he's over the top um, Shia, but I think he's good, too. In this movie, I I think he's good. I was going to say good, good qualifying to say in this movie, because I don't want you to have an out of context quote where you say that you think (laughs) Shia Shia LaBeouf LaBeouf is is good. good. (laughs) I don't want that on you. I don't want that isolated. I appreciate that. But like, I just I feel like he understood the assignment. It was like I feel like he was told this is over the top. Well, you know, Michael Bay's philosophy. He's not competing with movies. He's competing with everything. Right. You know, with the circus, with with theme parks, with, you know, Fourth of July parades. He's competing with everything. He wants this to feel like that that big. And I feel like Shia was like, can do, you know, Um, his physical comedy is good. Like he's very physical, like rolling over the tables and like when he's being tortured by that little watch thing. I don't know, man. Yeah, no, I, I think um, I back it up. I think he's good. Yeah, no, I I was having that thought because when I was thinking about this movie, just sort of running errands and going about my business today, um, I was like, Shia LaBeouf is acting in a much better movie than he's starring in. Mm. Um, yeah. in, in that he's like he like it feels like he really put some thought into how would all of these life experiences shape Sam Witwicky at this point in his life. Uh, which is not something that Michael Bay asked him to think about. Probably not. I w- yeah. I'll also say, having watched two of his films in the past like three weeks, I think it's better acting in this than Crystal Skull. Like, I think that I can see that that he's a better Sam than he is a mutt. A mutt. A mutt. <laughs> um, no, I I think I think all of that's true, and like he he plays someone because if if any of us were in the in uh, the real world as we exist put through what shia labeouf had been put through put or let me rephrase that put through what sam witwicky uh had been put through yeah we would have had one of many psychological breaks at right. any number of points and yeah. would have probably been doing everything we could to keep it together to try to function in society and probably not succeed in much the way that Shia LaBeouf <laughs> does not are, succeed. Yeah. In much no. the way that Sam Witwicky as played by Shia LaBeouf does not succeed with that. Oh, and also, right. yeah, um, to go back to your, your thing about his arc where I said that it didn't feel necessary about the job stuff. Mm-hmm. There's almost, if we, if we fleshed it out, you could almost really stretch to do a like kind of subversive message about what this country does to veterans. Like that he's, he's a hero who got a medal from the president who is now can't find a job, like has no money, you know, nobody cares anymore. There's there's almost something there. You've there's almost something there. Done it again. <laughs> nope. Too bad. Motion carried. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you, like, we're just two notches away from this being a Citizen Kane level action movie. Like we're so close. Well, we're what, so close. One now. of them is that it didn't have Orson Welles, so that's that's part of the problem. <laughs> yeah. Or Joseph Cotton. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um we got to talk about well we we should talk about the sound design in a minute but i think that starts with peter f and colin who we've already mentioned man like what a great voice and i do not want anyone else to be optimus prime ever in in the entire existence of franchises where things are constantly rebooted and people are recast there are two actors who have never (laughs) been able to be replaced no matter what version they do and it's J.K. Simmons and Peter Collins. <laughs> they are it. There's one J. Jonah Jameson. 
and yeah. there is one Optimus, one Prime, Optimus Prime, and that is all we yeah. will accept. It's true. Yeah. yeah. He, he He's perfect. He's perfect. And um, he's only gotten better with age, you know? His voice it is it's so, it's a yeah. little gravelly. It's like he's got more gravitas to it. Like, and again, watching it on, on the headphones, um, it's kind of otherworldly. It's so good. So good. Well, and like they do the just the right amount of electronic processing on his voice yeah. to like not make it sound inhuman. Because like I feel like they overprocess Hugo Weaving's voice as Megatron in general. Yeah, like sure. almost to the point that it's like, why did you have Hugo Weaving do these line reads? Because you can barely recognize that it's him. Like, uh, yeah. whereas, you know, whereas with Peter Cullen, it's just like there's just the right amount of like a little bit of vocoder, a little bit of all these yeah, yeah. different effects. And it's just so perfect and so good. Um that he it's just it's such a great voice i agree this is peak prime because i think in in the first movie i think they overdid it like i think they pitched him down like we have grown up with peter cullen's voice in our ears so we know what he sounds like so when he's like um you know before time began there was the cube and it's like oh that's too low yeah it's, it's too low pitch it back up <laughs> you know yeah but this is perfect it's perfection it's perfection no it's it's great and i mean the uh, movie sounds awesome it does. It sounds great. It, uh, you know, there was a line um, from Leonard Nimoy when he was like, uh, he he has this thing that he keeps going back to about we we were gods once. It's like, let that go. Stop screenwriting. But um, at the end of the line, he's like, and here they call us machines. And it was like, oh, it's yeah. just chocolate cake. You could just eat it with a fork. Oh, <laughs> yeah. it's so good. Um, I, I have to talk about how good the movie looks it's beautiful the cinematography is gorgeous and the the effects the the cg just the robots this is from a time before ilm and all the cg artists were taxed and they were doing like 20 marvel movies and a, and a disney plus series and like working for every studio doing everything all the time they were able to concentrate on this and it shows like rise of the beast is fine but that's like pretty the effects that are pretty mid compared to this i got a couple of stats here um apparently the driller that big worm thing had over seventy thousand parts to it and it took over 288 hours per frame to render oh wow yeah and they, they literally used every bit of processing capacity at skywalker ranch at ilm studios uh, i saw they that yeah. stopped everything and like we're just dedicating this so we can get it done in three days or something like that. And it, it shows like there's so much, um, the reflections on the metal are spot on. You're seeing, uh, lights behind other actors show up in Optimus Prime's windows when he's talking. It's, it's just so crisp. It looks so good. Like you don't, this is why CG isn't, I think that's why people aren't wowed anymore. I think if this were in theaters for the first time right now, even as jaded as we are, yes, everyone would be exhausted by the end of it, but I think we'd be like, I've never seen anything like that before. Well, well and, and I, I think that you, the important thing that you noted there too, that I think it's lost because I, I see a lot of that in the discourse now. It's just like the default is just the CG is bad and people complain sure. about it. And yeah. I think this is a reminder, this was a decade ago. The technology's only gotten better. The problem right. is the prevalence of CG work and the overworking of the artists who do it and they don't get the it time. They could all do this in every movie if you gave yep. them enough time and resources. Right. Yeah. 
Well, and that's I think the thing that also shows is like a common sheet as long as there's been CGI has been to do the scenes at night. Yeah. And <laughs> right. Um, yeah. you and know, these are only and, getting darker <laughs> and because of that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but like, yeah, this movie, like everything cool happens in the light of day in this movie. Mm-hmm. There's like yeah. none of the big action scenes are really nighttime scenes like mm-hmm. all the like the the giant space Leviathan uh, destroying an American cityscape, which has never happened in any other big mm-hmm. franchise movies I can think of. Uh, but it'd be something worth avenging if it did. Uh, <laughs> um but like but like all of it is like it's in it's in the full light of day it's at high noon it's like you know like the the street chase all of it um all of it happens in the light of day yeah and uh like that takes time if you want to make it look good yeah 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 so it's really kind of a a shame um that artists are being kind of taxed the way they are and, and then everything's kind of being pushed out as quickly as they're trying to do it. Because man, when these artists are given the resources that they need, I mean, they just create magic, industrial light and magic. <laughs> well, it, it is a bummer too, where it's even something like uh, the new spider verse, which is great. And, and mm-hmm. I really loved and looks great. There's still stuff that came out that. And then you hear some stuff and you're like, oh, trying to enjoy this. Yeah. (laughs) But it's just like there, you know, it's almost like the entire industry needs to strike to really uh, fight for what they deserve. Like (laughs) as if streaming and uh, the current state of of the film industry has caused a lot of people. uh, Interesting. Interesting. To, uh, you know, do a lot of work that they're not being fairly compensated for. That seemed like that. Yeah. Um. Speaking, I have to speak to the lore for this sure. movie. Yeah. They like everything's not perfect, but man, how gratifying for a longtime fan to see these things referenced, like even if it's just tangentially, like in the, in the movie, um, made a quick list. The Ark called out by name, like the ship they arrived uh, to Earth in. That's great. It's just great that it's called out. Uh, Carly which was the Witwicky longtime girlfriend in the cartoon who, you know, they eventually got married and had a kid. Um, Spike. There you go. Yes. And their kid, Daniel. <laughs> um, Soundwave having laser beak on his arm. Cool moment. They need to do it, but they did it for us. So I appreciated that. Um, the Matrix of Leadership. Great to have it mentioned. Like they do it all the time now, but that was the first time I was like, oh, cool. I love it. Well, actually, they mentioned it earlier in uh, Revenge of Fallen, but we don't talk about that movie. Mm-hmm. Um Killing Ironhide. You hate to see it, but that's they set precedence, right? Like he's gets murdered flat out by Megatron in the uh, animated movie. So, like, if you're going to kill somebody, kill Ironhide, you know, um, a space bridge, uh, the wreckers and even just there being an alliance between humans and Decepticons. They, they, that's happened in the cartoon, too, with uh, Dr. Arkaville and a couple other characters. So, like, it's just cool to see. Like someone was a fan who was writing this. Someone in the story department was a fan. And it was nice that they threw a couple things our way just to go like, we get it. I know. I know. This is not what you want. I get it. I know. But I'll give you a couple of things. I can give you what I can. I'll do what I can. Man, and it felt really good. Man, I the Autobots at this movie have a fair case to be like, man, like screw the humans. Like they they it did not take much convincing to be like, well, we're on their side. Like, get in this spaceship. Yeah. And it's yeah, like, yeah, well, yeah. I guess we have to fake our own deaths to show you what was going to happen. Cause we know when we get in that rocket, it's blowing up and they're going to enslave earth, but you're too yeah. stupid. 
So there's, <sighs> it's really, that was a plot point that I hated forever uh, in this movie. Cause it felt like, Oh man, Optimus and the, the crew just sacrificed a lot of humans to make a point. Um, but when I watched it this time, it's really, it kind of works until Optimus gives his, gives his lines explaining what they were doing. Yeah. Before that, it feels like, okay, they are way outnumbered. There's no way to win unless they have the element of surprise. Yeah. So it works. And you're like, oh, that's brilliant. That's, that's, you know, that's, that's cool. That's a good way to do it. But then they give Optimus the line trying to explain, and it's so clumsy. He's like, now the humans will know that the Decepticons will never. It's like, no, that's not the point. <laughs> the point was you needed the element of surprise. Don't say now they get it. It's like, ew, gross. Also, we, they don't. <laughs> also, yeah. they don't. They learned oh, nothing. Weird side note. I know you guys might know this already. I, I don't. I don't know the title exactly. It's it's like either like the ultimate doom or Megatron's master plan. One of these two, but there's a G one episode exactly like this where the Decepticons frame the Autobots where they make the humans think they're evil. And the humans uh, of earth are like, you gotta go. And they kick the Autobots off the planet. And, um, and I think they might even explode the ship and the Autobots were never on it or something like that. It's pretty interesting. Nice. Yeah. It's a little, it's a little side thing. Still thing I know. Still thing I know. All right. Well, we. I, th- I think we did it. Yeah, I was gonna say we're rapidly right. running out of time. So yeah, I think we did it for sure. Yeah. This. Uh, I. I will say I'm always glad to have Jonathan have you on the show to talk about it. Uh, and I enjoyed this movie a lot more than I thought I was going to for how much because this is actually the first time I watched it because of how much I absolutely hated uh, Revenge of the Fallen. Right. Right. I think. I think that's the. I wish we could take that movie out of continuity. I wish they didn't make it. I wish they waited till the strike was over and actually wrote the movie. Uh, because I think that movie is so bad that it drags the reputation down of, of everything that came after. Now, a lot of it is deserved. But I think if this was the second movie, I mean, this we, we might be looking at a classic franchise, you know, that like people look back on and go, man, why can't that be as good as Transformers? And now sure. we do still kind of say, we still kind of say, like, why can't it be as good as Transformers? But it's kind of sadder. Like, it's not. <laughs> why haven't these last few Marvel movies been as good as Transformers? <laughs> as good as Transformers. <laughs> why isn't Quantum Mania as good as Transformers? <laughs> I wasn't going to name one specifically, but yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you so much, as always, uh, for doing it. Are there things that you would like people to be aware of before we're out of here? Um, we got a couple of things in the works. Uh, myself, uh, Ettore Ewan, that you know is Big E, and Andreas Hale uh, have been working together to make this thing called Our Heroes Rock for the longest time. It's been about two years now. And the animated project that uh, we created from that, which is now called Bridges, it's a 12 minute short film, is nearly done. It should be out this year. Please check it out if you, uh, when it drops, um, pay attention to, I guess, our social media, especially Big E's. I mean, that's a guy you're going to you're going to hear from when he broadcasts. Also, just um, follow his social media because it's delightful. So yeah, he's you know a what? Delight. Just, just put your hand here and listen and you can hear him <laughs> right now because he's so freaking loud. <laughs> so there's that. And uh, I've also got a family film being shot right now called F plus, which should be out early next year. So keep an eye out for that, too. Which um, I look, we won't give anything away, but we were having a pre show discussion about the, there's an A plus fart joke in it. 
So <laughs> <laughs> you are not lying. Yeah. So that's the tease for that one. Yeah. All right. But yeah, um, I don't know. Do you want the last word as the uh, the biggest Transformers fan in the room before? Do you want to send us out of here? Till all are one. Silver Linings Playback is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. This is Philip And Katie. And Bridget. And we're three friends who like movies. Especially movies of yore when we were small and everything seemed awesome. Now we're revisiting these bright shining beacons of our youth and figuring out if they are for real. So sit back and relax and revisit the best. The worst. And everything in between from the 80s and 90s. And find out. Is is it for 